Well, thanks for coming today. Kind of a crazy day. I'm excited to tell you uh, that today we set a new record. Our attendance is actually bigger than New Spring Church today. So um, welcome. You are, you are part, of the, part of the answer, the, the New Spring of TR. No, they're just not having church today. Um, hey, I'm going to pray real quick. By the way, I'm Sean. If I haven't met you, I'm the lead pastor here at Trailside. Uh, pumped to have you guys. Pardon the water drinking. I've apparently decided that uh, Sunday at 10 o'clock is a great time to just come down with a horrible cough. So I'll be coughing, hopefully not through the whole deal here, but let me pray and we'll get started. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for um, our church and uh, Lord, we just ask that you be with all those guys who are hanging out and on vacation and enjoying these last few days of the year um, as we turn over and as we dedicate 2019 to you and what you want to do in this city. And so I pray that you would uh, welcome Uh, our hearts to be open today, that we would listen, that we would uh, be led by you, and that everything that we see and hear would be to make your name famous and to make you great, um, as we desire to do that in this city that you've placed us. We love you. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, So, obviously, uh, we have a, a little bit of a crazy week here today. We almost didn't have church today, but I thought, you know what? We're a young church plant why not just be crazy and uh, invite people and see what happens? And it's interesting, actually, two of our overseers who are, surprised me and are both here this morning um, are here, Delmar Pete and his wife, Hannah, who is with child and a future Delmar number two, um, well, I guess three, the second son, um, and Phil Hargrove, who was a pastor here a long time at First Presbyterian Church downtown, um, is also with us, and he lives all the way out in the Midwest, so um, he is hanging out with corn and things like that, right, Phil? Um, St. Louis people. Yes, both, probably. Yeah, but uh, we'd love for you to take a chance to meet them. So our church is governed by overseers. We have overseers to kind of make sure that, um, you know, I don't go crazy and uh, develop any horrible habits. And our tech is going crazy. I'm so sorry. Um, And then we have a group of elders uh, who are just under them, who oversee the heart and the future and the leadership of the church. And so uh, today, we're actually sharing the vision of our church, of what we want and what we feel like God wants 2019 to become. So um, that's where we're at today. So I'm really excited that they're here. I'm excited you're here. Um, but what I want to talk to you first is about my upbringing, because if I don't talk about me, then I don't know what we're doing, right? No. Um, I went to a small Baptist college. You guys may have heard of North Greenville University. Anyone heard of that? A few of us, yeah. I was there for, um, I had a a glowing one year uh, before I was given the opportunity to leave and uh, not be there any longer, but I met my wife and that was okay. And finished up at Charleston Southern. And when I realized uh, that smaller Baptist colleges were actually totally different, than uh, your big time schools was when I went to visit my younger brother at Clemson. Now, when I was at Charleston Southern, there was one cafeteria. There was one place to eat and probably like like 45 tables or so. You saw everybody you saw every day. Um, Del's a college friend of mine. Saw everyone you saw pretty much every day. You knew the schedule. It was kind of like working in a building together with people. And the other thing I didn't realize was the food. So what we would have is Sunday, we would have some delicious grilled chicken. You know, you had fried chicken opportunities and mashed potatoes. And man, this is so good. I'm so thankful to be here. And then Monday, you would have slightly less grilled chicken, maybe a little more dry with some vegetables. And then then Tuesday, you would have chicken and and rice, maybe some sauce on top. And then Wednesday, you know, it was mixed just heavy in sauce and a pasta. And then by Thursday and Friday, 
you're having casseroles and soup. And yeah, it's getting a little bit worse every time you're there. And so by Friday, you're kind of thinking, I just want to go eat. I'll, I, I, actually, I think that's why Taco Bell succeeded um, in those years, because eventually you're like, I just want to eat a taco. Like if I, if I have to take care of business immediately after, that is okay. I cannot eat dried chicken anymore. Um, so then I went to Clemson University, God's land, God's country. Um, and if you're a USC fan, <laughs> um, sorry, that wasn't very pastoral of me or kind. But I went there and I was blown away because when I asked my brother what we were going to eat, he said, well, which one do you want to go to? And I said, which one what? He said, which cafeteria do you want to go to? And I said, what do you mean? And he said, do you want to go to the one with Moe's or with Applebee's? And I said, stop talking. And so we went and had this delicious Moe's. It was probably one of the best burritos I've ever had, not because it was great, but because just the context that we were in, right? Like I never knew college food could actually taste this good. And so I had this huge, delicious burrito, and I thought, I have wildly messed up by going to a small Baptist college. But I realized something, that that was the future of the school. And so now, if you go down to Charleston Southern, you'll see a few big changes that um, apparently I, I paid for. Uh, now that I've paid off my student loans, I can say that. They've got a fancy student uh, Christian ministry building. There's a Chick-fil-A on campus. Listen, God's redeeming quality in my life was that there was no Chick-fil-A when I was in college on campus because I would have only eaten Chick-fil-A and then I would have been dead by now. Um, I would have been a big waffle fry. That's kind of how my life would have ended up. But they have Chick-fil-A on campus. It is just so much better. And even at North Greenville as well. Um, so we have some interns from North Greenville. We have a large student group that comes from North Greenville, and I've gone and visited them before. And you walk up, and I'm telling you, the, the, the whole campus itself is beautiful, but they have this cafeteria that I don't think I'd ever seen or thought North Greenville could ever accomplish. It's got like eight different lines of food. There's an ice cream machine. You can have Pepsi products there, which, you know, that's, they're going to get something wrong, and that's okay. Um, but I thought like, man, we, when we went there, it was, you had juice and tea and water, right? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about because we were there together. Like, that was all the options you had. I'm like, man, this, it's actually moving. Like things are growing, things are happening here. And I thought, how, how much is that just like a church plant? How much is that just like what we're trying to do? <clears throat> and I noticed that in small colleges, small things happen. You kind of try to copy the big colleges, Right? And I was in, I'm, I'm going to admit something out loud, and I don't want to say this, but um, it's part of my depravity, and you need to know it as your pastor. I was in a uh, moderately fake fraternity in college. It was, yes, it's embarrassing. No, no, it's cool. It's all right. Um, we were called the cross and crown, because when you're at a small Christian school, everything has to be very hyper-spiritualized, right? It's to show that we love Jesus more than everybody else. That's what it was. Yeah, it's okay to laugh at me. I'm, I'm okay with this. I have come to terms. Um, and what happened was we had this one guy who watched the, the movie, um, The Skulls, right? Which you guys may know this. It was, it's a group that's at Yale, which is super secret and um, has gone in and the Illuminati and all that kind of craziness exists, um, if you believe in it. And he was like, we should do that here. And I thought, oh, I don't want to do any of that, but you're my friend, so okay, whatever, I'll go in. And so we established the cross and crown. And so we're meeting this first group of, I think, 12 guys. We're like, what are we doing? They said, well, the first thing we need to do is elect a president. And I was like, all right, well, this is lame. This is gonna be hilarious. So we did a secret ballot and I got elected president. And I thought, what have I gotten myself into? I had no idea what to do. 
Like I, I, I played sports, you know, a little bit, and so I kind of had that idea of things, but I didn't know what it meant to take secret vows with other dudes and then act like it was really secret and important, and I kind of thought it was silly. And I, so I told this one guy who founded us, I said, listen, I don't know what I'm doing, so I need you just to do everything, and then if you want me to be a figurehead, that's fine. And we did some great stuff, but one of the things he came up with was totally ridiculous. He gave every guy a cup with soil in it, and he said he planted a seed inside of it. And then he gave a strict ruling of like, you have to put it in light this day and in light this day and your shower this day. And it was like 15 days of these guys like moving their cups around. And one day it was actually kind of funny. The one thing I did say, I made them carry the cup around with them all day, but they couldn't say anything about it. So there was this group of freshmen and sophomore guys walking around Charleston Southern, going to all of their classes with this little cup of dirt and just sitting there and play. It was, it was awesome. But <clears throat> that, that was the most fun that I had with it. Um, but we told them there was this seed and they had to take care of this seed. And that after two weeks, this seed would, you know, germinate and grow. And then they would have a little plant. And I guess that was our unity plant or something, a unity flower. I don't know. Um, but what came down the tubes was that was not long enough for the seed to grow. So for the half guys that actually did get a seed and actually carried the cup around and watered it and put it in sunlight and babied it and put it out and did all these crazy things we made them do, it was all for naught because it was literally not long enough for the seed to grow. So we got everyone together and we said, all right, bring your cups with you. And they brought their cups and they sheepishly put them in front of them and thought they all failed because they just had a cup of dirt. We looked at them and they said, we said, why? Why do you not have a sprout? What did you not do? We gave you directions. We were clear. And y'all, I'm not kidding. Half of those dudes cried. Like legitimately. Like they were so upset, right? They were so upset and they're like, we failed and I'm sorry. And it meant so much to them. And I thought, wow, well, I've now become the angry big brother um, because I didn't care about the seed. And then we told them, we're like, well, hey, don't be so sad um, because we found out not only is that not long enough for your seed to grow, um, but half of you guys didn't actually get a seed in your cup because we couldn't afford it. Um, so that was how we started. And I thought, well, this is not going to go well. But the interesting thing about that was that I, I, wasn't, I wasn't really into if it was a seed and if they carried it and if they watered it and if they did it. I, I didn't care about what actually grew. What I cared about was their heart, if they cared enough to actually do the things that we asked them to do. That's what you're trying to demonstrate when you're looking for loyalty and community. You're looking for people who will actually listen and take steps and follow with you. And so my question was, were you willing to consider the steps? Were you willing to take time and focus a little bit of effort? I mean, moving a cup isn't a horrible thing, right? I mean, it's just literally, it takes five seconds. But were you willing to do that and were you willing to be patient for the outcome? And could you be honest about the outcome? Are you willing to take steps to demonstrate that you actually care? What I didn't realize was that was a lesson that God was using, let's see, 12 years ago, 13 years ago, to teach me about where we would be here as a church. Like, do we have focused effort? Do we have patience? Are we willing to put in the things that we have to do to do it right? And if it doesn't sprout and grow immediately, are we okay with continuing to be patient and continuing to do the right things so that when the plant emerges, we're ready to take off and go? 
And I thought that was really interesting. And now what happened with the cross and crown was we all graduated. I got a call like four years later, five years later from a kid that I had never met. And he said, hey, I'm the new president of the cross and crown. And I actually told Lane, I laughed. It's like, holy moly, it still exists. That is crazy. He said, can you come talk to us? Because we're, we're dying and things are falling apart. And I thought, well, yeah, you know, I'll be down there in a couple of weeks and I'll go and meet with you. And so what happened was I went into this room and there were eight guys who all were like super nerdy and confused and scared. Um, I'm pretty sure their mom still wrote their name on their underwear kind of stuff. And they didn't know what to do. They're trying to figure life out. And they said, well, we're just, we're, we're going to die. Like it's going to be over after this year if something doesn't change. And, and I said something I've never said before. I looked right at the guy who had called me, asked me to come down, was so willing to invest. And I said, you know, maybe, maybe it needs to stop. Like maybe it was just a thing that doesn't need to continue. Now, don't worry. I'm not saying the church isn't continuing. We're good there. So maybe, maybe it doesn't continue. Maybe it needs to stop. And he said, well, why? And I said, well, tell me, tell me what your goal is. Tell me what, what defines you and why it's important for this thing to exist. And he looked across the table from me and he said, I don't know. I said, well, then why would you keep something growing that's dying? So what's the point? You're, you're, you're spinning tires. You can't get this thing together because you have no vision. You have no goals. You have no desire. You have no purpose. And so when purpose falls and vision dies, everything dies alongside with it. And what I'm learning is that churches are actually no different. Without vision, without purpose, all things end. And what we're seeing in America, and if we just drive down the street, is that we're seeing churches consistently die because they lack vision, they lack purpose. They don't know where they're going. They don't know why they exist. They don't know what makes them different. And I've told people, if we, <coughs> pardon me, I'm so sorry. <coughs> I've told people, if we lack that, we might live for a little while, but we're no different than what everyone else is doing. There's nothing that will separate us from any other church. And it's not so that we can eventually five, 10 years down the road, pat Trailside on the back and talk about how good looking Riley is and um, how all the things we do in our community. It's not so we can do that. It's so that we can say that we wanna make a difference for the kingdom and what Jesus is actually doing. And if we don't have vision and understand how we're called to do that, then we just kind of exist. And we might as well go join another dying church and try to keep them going. But that's not who we are. We actually have that vision. We have that purpose. We have that leadership. And what I found and what we found and what our elders have found is that we want to make sure that in order to do that, we ask you to follow. We can't lead or ask for leadership if our leadership won't lead. We can't ask people to serve if we don't have purpose, if we don't know what we're serving toward. We can't ask you to give if we're just throwing money down the tubes, hoping it lands in the right place, if we're not stewarding well. We can't do anything well without excellence. There's a lot of churches that are very comfortable, that don't, aren't worried about excellence, that aren't worried about community. And if we lose that, then we lose what we're purposed here for anyways. Then there's nothing that separates us. I tell people, if, if we stop being valuable, if we could leave, if, if God said today, shut your doors, be done, move out, and the community didn't miss us, then we have missed our purpose. 
We have to be a church that, that this community will miss us, that Traveler's Rest would miss us, that Greenville would miss us, that we're making such a difference in people's lives and pointing them toward the gospel that if we stop tomorrow, people would genuinely hurt. And again, not to pat Trailside on the back, not to say that we're great or anything, but just to say we have to have that vision and purpose alive within us in order to make a difference, in order, in order to be valuable. If not, we gen, genuinely might as well be another church that shows up on a Google search, which we do now and was a point of excitement for me, actually, right? I learned all about SEOs, and if you know what that is, then you know what that is, and if you don't, then you were as lost as I was six months ago. But we show up, it's great. And, and it's interesting that, that we're seeing that in churches, that people come in, and, and we've seen that with people who've come in our church and who have walked in and been a part of things, and then when they don't own that vision and that purpose, they, they leave and they're gone and they kind of fall off, and then we're left to go, okay, well, what do we do next? And so I don't want that to be a thing for us. I don't want that to be trailside story. Granted, people will come and go, but what I do want is for us to live in vision and purpose because I'm not gonna ask you to come out and give financially and give of your time and serve. I'm not gonna do any of that if I don't think there's great purpose in God blessing you and growing you and God taking care of you and in God fulfilling his kingdom work within you. You have that promise for me as your pastor. I will never do that. The minute we stop being effective is the minute we will shut these doors. But here's the good news. We are not doing those things. We are actually being effective. We are actually mattering and doing things as a small church within our community. I had the awesome opportunity to meet with a city manager or city planner, I guess, um, a couple weeks ago. And I, I sat down and I, I would told myself, I was like, all right, Sean, don't go in and talk about how great your church is. Don't go in and talk about all the things you've done. Just go in and, and chat with this guy and meet with him, hear his story, right? I just wanted to know why he cared so much about our city. And the craziest, y'all, the craziest thing happened. I sat down, I asked him about his family. And before I could say anything, he looked at me and he was like, hey man, I wanna thank you. Um, because like your church is doing things. And I'm hearing stories in the community and the mayor is talking to me and the parks and rec department reached out to me and said like, hey, there's this church and they're all about helping in the community. If you need something, find them. Here's the guy. And I thought like, whoa, I kind of leaned back and I was like, holy moly, like a church of, you know, like what, we're somewhere between 60 and 90 adults who come brand new, less than a year old. And here's the city manager looking and going like, I'm hearing about the things you're doing. And I'm, I went back and told Lane, I was, I, I was so nervous. Like, if y'all don't know, I, I get sweaty, right? Okay, just the thing. If you have dinner with me, I'll probably sweat for the first 10 minutes. It's just how it is. But I went back and I told Lane, I was like, that, that went so well. I, I never, I couldn't have written that story to go any better. But the first thing this guy did was say, hey, what you guys are doing is mattering. Like by your service, by the time you're giving. And so I said, okay, then we're in good shape. So, so what does that mean for us in the future? So I'm gonna go back and be like Jesus because that's what we wanna be, right? The answer is yes. It's not a trick question, all right? Yes, yes, okay, okay, good, good. Whew. I don't know what kind of church y'all thought you can't. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I and I wanna get into what I, I, I see Jesus use a lot of, which is farming lingo. Can we do that? You know, Jesus talked about in Matthew 7, he talked about what makes a good tree. 
It's useful, provides shade and fruit. He talked in farming lingo all the time. He said, you will know a tree by its fruit. He'll say, he said, um, the fig tree that he went and cursed because it wasn't providing what it was supposed to. Because he spoke to people who understood farming language. And I understand farming language because I'm about as smart as a farmer was in the first century. So I'm going to use that. But what I've realized what we're doing is that we are in what's called uh, the, the tree, or the, the plant phase, plant life phase. Goodness gracious, my medicine's killing me. <clears throat> And we started in our, our seed phase. Dusty, if you'll please put that up on the board. So I'm going to give a very quick lesson on how seeds work. Right? I know you, this is why you came. I understand that, right? Spring is coming, and you're looking for how you can kill a bunch of seeds. This is the way. Just me. Okay. So what we have here is a four-step process, right? We have the, the first, the far left is the seed phase, which I don't want to insult your intelligence. We all know what that looks like. The second is a germinal phase when it actually begins to grow and build a little bit of root and begin to actually take that, uh, that, that uh, I can't even think right now, take root, excuse me, <clears throat> and get sustenance and develop what it is that separates it from other species of roots and trees and plants. And then it becomes into the growth phase when you actually see some flowering and leaves come out. It begins to fulfill its purpose. And then last we have what's called the reproduction and fruit phase or flowering phase. And as I was studying this and looking through this last few weeks, I thought, man, if that's not representative of what a good church is, I don't know what is. Because after all these things happen and after the, the tree or the root or the flower or whatever it is grows to full maturity, then it does something else. It reproduces. It throws seed through a number of different means, through fire, through animals, through wind, but it begins to reproduce itself in other healthy trees, other healthy flowers, other healthy plants. And I thought that is the exact purpose of what we want to do. So in our church, we have the bylaws that we will never have a screen. Like you'll never see, I'm not that important anyways, but you'll never see Trailside Part 2 with me on a screen talking about whatever we would talk about, Jesus, right? Because that's not what we want to do. We want to be a church that plants churches, that revitalizes cities, that changes our city. We want to be a place that sends future pastors who have been trained here out to go plant. We've already got one waiting in the wings. He'll be ready in about five years. And we want to be a place that does that and that promotes that growth. But what I'm learning is that we are just getting out of the seed phase. That's where we are right now. We're just coming through. And in the seed phase, that's where we've been for the last year and a half. That's the birth. That's the, the raising early funding. That's the building the team. You may have been bothered by me at a restaurant or a coffee shop or wherever else I could meet people, right? That might be your story. I found people in CrossFit gyms and just annoyed them really, just tore them down until they finally came, right? Or on Facebook videos, that's where we were seeding, we were planning, we were getting things ready. We were going to ferments where we met Riley, brought him in, got some college stuff happening here. And, and in that seed phase, what happens is there's a hard coat on the outside that has to actually take on water and nutrients so it can shed that coat and so the stem can begin to come out. And that's where we were. 
We were figuring out where we were going to be, what we were going to look like, what our DNA was going to look like, what our culture of our church would be, what was going to be important to us. It's where we got our mission statement. The three things we want to do well, we want to love Jesus really well. Sunday is about Jesus. So is Monday through the other things that end in Y. And we want to teach people when they come out of our church, we want to challenge them to be a point where they love Jesus more every single day. We wanted to to build that culture, to establish that, take time planning, creating bylaws, all the boring stuff that you didn't see because it's boring. And if you've ever filed for a 501c3, you know that. It is horrible. (laughs) Terrible paperwork. No one's done that. That's good. Okay. And then we moved into the germinal phase, that growth. That's where we've been the last year is trying to get fully established within the soil of where we've been planted. We love this city. We're a little further out than we want to be right now, and that's okay. But we love TR, we love Taylor's, we love Greenville, and we want to now establish ourselves here. And the way we did that was trial and error and error and error and trial and error and error and error and some error. And then we messed up a few times, and then we had some errors. But in that, in that phase, in that germinal phase, what, what the seed needs, it, it needs a home. It needs warmth. It needs water. It needs nutrients. It needs growth. And and as that happens and the outer part falls out and the seed or the stem begins to push through and the tiny roots dive in and it gets deeper nutrients and it gets a little more efficient in the way that it grows, the first leaves begin to sprout. And this is what we've seen in the past year. I'm so sorry. We've seen this establishment of our church, of people hearing about what we're doing by going in and doing our one-for-one campaign. One thing our church is really big on is going and loving and serving our community. Again, if our community doesn't miss us if we were gone, we're missing the purpose of our church, right? So our one-for-one campaign, when we began saying every single person who came to our church, we took $1, whether we could afford it or not, and went and blessed somebody in our community and loved people. Sometimes that looked like giving a tip to a server, buying a family groceries, giving a gift card to someone to get gas, buying gas, meeting people in their physical needs where they were. So we've done that. Every month we do that. Or a second Saturday. We go in every second Saturday and we serve in our community. We've cooked breakfast for a bunch of old people, which is awesome. I mean, like, that was a horrible way to say that. Gosh, I'm so sorry. We've gone and served breakfast for the elderly and loved them and encouraged them and, and met one guy that we really love who just really enjoys eating lots of eggs. We love him every month. We've gone and served in Gateway Park. We've adopted and gone in and helped clean that park up and paint lines and hang signs. And we're going to be fixing benches and a shed, just adopting that place to have it grow. Because if we can make that place beautiful and we can make that place a place where families want to go, then the work we're doing now invests in the community of people because dads will take their kids to the softball, baseball fields and families will go on the playground and spend time together. They'll practice football. They'll shoot hoops together. They'll ride their bikes on the trails. If we can reestablish those things, then what we're doing by serving in those capacities is we're building up the community of our, of our city, making a difference long-term. 
So we've, we've gone in and, we, and we've established ourselves in that in our community. We've built our core. We've sifted through tons of people. But what it comes down to is the heart of our church. And, and we find that in Revelation 3, verse 20. And this is really, honestly, the, the entirety of the heart of what we want to be. So I, I grew up Catholic. Um, I met Jesus when I was 17. Um, I got cussed out by a, a deacon at my very first church as a Southern Baptist because I got a tattoo, um, which I know. I, I know, guys, you ought to forgive me. I'm a heathen. Um, was at another church where the senior pastor just dismantled the enti- literally the entire church. And then came to Greenville and had a great time at a Presbyterian church for a long time. But what I realized is that there were people everywhere who were looking for a place just to come and be honest and real. Who didn't have to clean themselves up, right? I'd heard a lot of people tell me, if I walk in church, I'm gonna catch on fire. Like God was so angry at them, you know, like throw one lightning bolt down. And I was studying and, I, and why this whole process was happening in my heart. And the Lord lay, like led me in this, Revelation 3.20. This is the words of Jesus. This is what he says. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears him, I'm sorry, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. And I thought, like that, that is the heart of the church. Notice what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say, I stand at the door knocking. Clean all your stuff up. Get all your nastiness out of the way. Make sure that it's okay for me to walk into as a welcome guest. And when you've done that, then I will come in and have community and intimacy with you. And man, guys, we've done a really good job, especially in the Southern culture of church, at keeping people out because of their stuff. You just have. And it's become so much so that now the culture of our church has developed to where people now disqualify themselves from it before we even have the opportunity to bring them into it. And I thought that has to change. That has to change. It has to be different. We have to be better than that. And so that's what we began doing. We began loving people with that in mind. That there's a place at the table for every person, no matter who you are or what you're about or what struggles you have, I am not the Holy Spirit. I am not here to disqualify anyone from church. If you follow Jesus, you also are not. In fact, if you read through scripture and go and see where it talks about the church as a whole and the body of Christ, it talks about encouraging living in unity, pressing on together, pointing each other toward the gospel, focusing our eyes on Jesus and running toward him together. Does that mean some of our sin will fall off? Pursue holiness, get better, be more like Jesus? Absolutely, but it first means that we have to be able to allow him to open the door and not let people disqualify themselves because there's trash and junk in their life that they don't want to let Jesus see. And that's why we have to be different. And so when we say in our mission that we love Jesus well, that's what we mean. We, we serve others well, that's what we mean. When we live unified in community, that's what we mean. Our small groups, I want to beg you, please, please go to a small group because it's an opportunity for you to realize that everybody else who walks in this door as well also is kind of messed up. 
You know what I've learned as I've gotten older? I've, I've watched my parents get older and their relationships. What I'm learning is everybody, no matter what age, what stage of life you're in, everybody is just trying to do their best, right? Well, let's, just, let's be real about that. Everyone's just trying to do their best. And everyone I've met who's an expert on parenting or on relationships or on growth and st- Everyone I've met who are experts on that are some of the most scared, insecure people I've ever met because they're actually just hoping that they're right and that people will listen to them because we're all a little messed up because humanity is broken. And the sooner we can come together and realize that, the sooner we can push on toward Jesus and bring each other alongside. And that's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of the hope that we have. And so we've been developing that identity in our church of what that honestly looks like. That culture and that DNA of who we are has to be the forefront. The gospel must be first. And it starts with Jesus saying, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you will open the door, I will come into you, have intimacy with you, and I will dine with you. Because that's one of the most intimate things you can do. If you think I'm wrong, I want you to go find someone on the street corner and ask them to go to lunch. Yeah, you all take me way too seriously. That was a joke meant to show you that that's a, an awkward thing to do because it requires relationship and intimacy. And that's exactly what Jesus says he'll give, not by you qualifying yourself, but that when you hear the knock, you open the door. And as he comes in, he has intimacy and community with you, not because of anything around you, but because he loves you. And so that's what our, focus has been in this germinal phase, building the identity, the DNA of our church to love, to serve, to live. We want to baptize people, point them toward the gospel. We've had the awesome opportunity to baptize 11 people within our church in this year. It's been amazing. Such a cool thing. But here's where we're going. This is what I want to encourage you to come alongside with us. In 2019, can you put the beautiful plants back up there? In 2019, we're going to be moving into the growth phase at number three, where we begin to show some of that. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is one of the most quoted pieces of scripture. And and I lost it. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is one of the most quoted pieces of scripture because it gives us hope and it makes us feel good about what we're doing. And this is what it says. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil for it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. That's what we want to do in this growth phase. We want to move and give our plans to the Lord and do as he says and follow him and not be scared, not be worried, but do exactly what it is God has called us to do. Because good plants grow purposeful, they grow steady, and they grow with vision and hope. And so how do we do that? What makes a good growth phase? How do we move into 2019 with a plan? And a a plan to not be like every other church. A plan to be different. A plan to continue to baptize people because they hear the gospel because they're not scared that people are going to judge them in church. That they can come to a place and just hear about Jesus. And that be that. How do we get to that point? Well, it comes from having the right cultivated soil. It comes from 
making sure there's water and food for the seed to grow. It comes from proper sunlight, giving the seed the things it needs to grow and then make a difference and be effective and efficient. It means our culture and the DNA of our church move into the city and we become generous in how we love and how we give. We become focused and we become purposeful in our ministry. It means on second Saturday, people come. We have a desire to go into some of the the lower income neighborhoods here in the city that have been forgotten about, which we do have, and go and just love those people once a month and not come in once and then leave and be like, it was really fun, thanks but to go in and actually do ministry regularly every single month. So years down the road, we're the church that was willing to dive in where it was hard. We want to continue to bless this school. I have a dream that we can go into Gateway Park and write a check to the city for a brand new playground. Because that would be awesome. Not so our church can look good, but so families will have a place that they're proud to go to and dads will spend time with their sons and break cycles that are so destructive in our community of fatherlessness and hope and insecurity. To make a difference that way is that when we do that, this city changes and they point people toward the gospel. But we have to have purpose focus. We have to be self-sufficient. When I ask you to come and to serve and to be a part of those days, when I ask you to give and be sacrificial, it's not so that we can build kingdoms. I'm not gonna buy a Lamborghini for my wife. It's so that we can actually change the city. So we can bring purpose. We can heal families. We can take fatherlessness and make it instead fatherhood and break cycles. We can take drug addicts and give them hope and provide them the opportunity they need to get out of that lifestyle and train families, mentor young children who need help. that's That's the goal of our church and to do all of that and to do it to point them toward Jesus. But here's what we need. We need ownership, not just mine, our ownership. We gotta be on it together. We have to have a giving, generous culture We have to have a culture of service, of people who will dive in when it's hard. Listen, we have had people who have come here and dove in and then realized it was really hard and it wasn't comfortable. There's not a lot comfortable about the black chairs you're sitting in. I get it. That's why I stand. All right? There's not a lot of comfort in that. We set up and tear down every week. Everything you see is set up and torn down every Friday, every Sunday except for this Sunday, praise God, because there's no school for a week. It's, it's not easy. But listen, getting in the midst of people's lives isn't easy. Jesus coming down and being born as a baby isn't easy. Dying on the cross wasn't easy. I don't know how hard resurrecting from the dead is, but I've never seen anyone do it, so I imagine that's pretty tough if you're not God. But doing those things and being willing to give yourself to people because we realize our hope isn't here and now, but it's in the future and eternity, isn't easy, but guys, it's worthwhile. It is worth everything. And so that's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to step in, not out, step up, not down. I'm asking you to dive into small groups and community. I'm asking you to dive into giving and and I I get it. I know that's hard because money is comfort. 
Listen, I stress about it all the time. I get it. But allowing ourselves to give freely and generously so that ministry can happen and lives can change, investing in the eternal life of people by serving in Second Saturday, by coming and allowing us and helping us be a part of that. And listen, that might mean the first few times on Second Saturday, it's a little awkward because 35 people show up in that little room where we cook eggs and bacon. But that's gonna allow us to go plan a block party and to go love a kid who's been left home alone because his mom's working and his dad's not there. That's gonna allow us to go do things bigger than we ever dreamed. So I'm asking you is to walk in, to step in, to step up. And let's change this city that we love, that we've been called to, because they're worth it. First Peter 3.8 says, So finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, and a tender heart and a humble mind. Church, that's what we want to be. That's what we're going to be as we move into this growth phase of 2019. And I pray, I would love to meet with you. If you have questions, we can eat. I love food, all right? If I don't talk about food once a week, I get made fun of, so there it is. I will eat with you. Riley will eat with you. Chris will eat with you. Any of our elders, we will come and chat and share that vision so you can hear it. But I promise you, it's hard now, but man, it is going to be worth it. And every time that we baptize someone and bring them out of the water, it's worth it. And that's what 2019 is gonna be. Let me pray. We'll have another song and we'll get out of here. Thank you for being here. <clears throat> You've proven that you're more holy than everybody else today. Just kidding. Father, you're good. And Lord, I thank you that you've called us to something different. And that's not ease. That's not um, making everything simple. But instead, it's, it's that you have created people who are worth fighting for. And in addition to that, Lord, you want to use us for that. You, you actually say that you want to use us. How, how incredible is it that you would think on someone like me? A 35-year-old father in traveler's rest, that you would want to use someone like me or a college student or a 45-year-old single dad or a 56-year-old veteran, that whatever, whoever it is that you would want to use those families and those people for your good, your glory, and your kingdom. And I, I pray that you would ignite our hearts with that, that our desire would be you, that we would be willing to dive in and sacrifice, that we would be willing to take steps that aren't easy, but that you call us to, because there are people who are dying. There are people who are living every day without hope, who are just trying to survive. We're breathing because they made it through 2018. And hoping 2019 won't be as hard. But Father, you promise hope and comfort and peace. So my prayer is that we would make this church a place that is that for the city. That our hearts would be yours that you would teach us how to love in the way that you love for your good. We thank you, Jesus. Help us to love others the way you've loved us. And to your name we pray. Amen.